In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Isaiah Bollinger, the founder of Trellis. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 17. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the podcast that helps e-commerce entrepreneurs start, launch, and grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pulaski. I'm here today with Isaiah Bollinger, one of the founders of Trellis. Trellis is one of the top full-service e-commerce development agencies right here in Boston. I recently saw a post by Isaiah, um, or on the, on the Trellis blog, actually, that was about um, B2, the rapid growth of B2B e-commerce. Um, and that's one of those topics that you don't see many folks talking about B2B e-commerce, so I wanted to um, bring Isaiah on the show here today and chat a little more about it. So, hey, Isaiah, how you doing? Good, good. Uh, thank you for inviting me to the show. Uh, you know, we've been connected for a while now, so it's great to great to be on the show and and talk about uh, e-commerce, something that we've both been doing for a while now. So yeah, it's great to have you. It's uh, it's unusual actually have someone from here in Boston. Um, someone we've actually met in real life. So it, um, yeah, it's funny how you uh, you mentioned we're one of the top e-commerce. I mean, just actually got uh, rated as the top e-commerce uh, agency in Boston uh, by a firm called Clutch. Oh. They kind of like uh, organize as agencies and help people kind of like find the top agencies locally for different things. And, uh, Boston surprisingly, like it, it's not as, uh, robust for lots of e-commerce firms compared to, well, compared to New York, you know, a lot, like a lot of locally, our com- competitors are mostly in New York. Hmm. There's like so many of them there, but Boston's not quite as, not quite as many here. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's a big e-commerce city though. I feel like there's a lot of, um, startups and a small, um, on the software side kind of, a few yeah, different products I, went out of the city. I think New York is just also an agency hub. Yeah. It's a hub for agencies. And um, funny enough, one of our bigger e-commerce competitors moved uh, their headquarters now in New York. And then one of the other ones, um, their headquarters now in California. And they both kind of just disappeared from Boston. So it was good for us. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. So Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So we were talking about the, um, the blog post on B2B e-commerce and kind of the rapid yep. growth and... It's not something that a lot of folks talk about, so I figured um, you guys have, you know, it sounds like some, some significant experience with that, um, so I wanted to kind of chat yeah. a little more, you know, what is it, and what are people doing, and what you kind of see now. Yeah, absolutely, so I could maybe just get into the back, I mean, we, we started doing B2B e-commerce back when, you know, the company started in 2012, we kind of fell into it, um, started with kind of like a mid-sized distributor, um, and it was a Magento project, and uh, I think we quickly kind of realized, like, hey, there's some potential here for not both, not only the customers, for, uh, but also the agency side. So it felt like a good synergy of an area for us to focus, and um, we've just kind of grown up from there. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, B two B commerce has been a pretty large um, industry for a while. It's just not talked about a lot because I don't think it's very. I guess, sexy in the sense that it's a lot of behind the scenes. A lot of the sites are actually like password protected sites. So, or you need to log in to see pricing or you basically have to be a customer to get the true experience. So from that sense, like you might not even know about these sites or be able to get to these sites that are making, you know, doing millions and millions or even billions of dollars online. Um, So I think that's kind of a big reason for why B2B e-commerce is so like kind of, behind the scenes, even though it's actually more than double B to C e-commerce in terms of total, total sales volume. And I think we're still really honestly only in the beginning because 
Right now, it's only about 10% of uh, total sales. Maybe it's a little higher. It might actually be more like 12%, sorry. Uh, I have to look at the numbers. So, like, total B2B sales is still only a small percentage. And I think it has more potential to be a higher percentage of total sales than B2C because in B2B, you kind of know what you want, right? Like, you're a business. I need to get this product for my business that's going to help me. So, you might even know the exact SKU or you might have a very good idea and you're kind of narrowing it down. Um, so in a lot of ways, it's almost more, um, kind of a better fit for the self-serve of e-commerce, whereas consumers, they might want to try on shoes and they might want to have more of like an experience in store compared to, I think, B2B where you just kind of want to get it and get going with your business and not worry about the experience of buying it. You know, does, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, um, we see it a lot where people, um, you know, the other nice part is, a lot of times you're selling very um, high quantities of particular SKU. Um, so, for yep. example, B2B, when it's um, selling electronics, right? So yep. Someone's coming in and buying 100 monitors at a time. They're not, you know, you're not making a sale of one monitor. They're making a sale of a monitor for the entire department. Um, yep. One particular model, and they come in and just buy 100, 100 units. So, you yep. see that all the time. What are actually some examples of, you know, be, like, in the industry, when you, see, when you say B2B, is this... On the IT side, on the um, like what, what kind of thing? I mean, we're we're talking to companies all across the spectrum. Definitely electronics uh, could be retail, could be clothes, but the company is actually selling the clothes to the retailers. Um, it could be uh, we're seeing it in all sorts of like kind of niche industries that you don't think about, like flooring, all the different SKUs that go into like stone. Like even we've to talk to some companies um, in the kind of like stone industry that sell like very different, um, all these like specific uh, variations of stone. So it can get all over the place. I mean, all sorts of um, building supplies. I mean, literally anything that you might uh, buy or use, whether it's, you know, on a building or in a home or all the way down to the consumer level, yep. you know, that's all getting sent to either, contractors or you know small retailers or small businesses so a lot of that's still being done over the phone with salespeople. but i think people are starting to realize that you know in the salesperson you know unless they're really adding value they're really just taking an order and at that point why not have that be 24 7 online you know yeah are you seeing so, are you seeing folks with an existing b2b type business transitioning to the e-commerce side or is this a lot of new retailers um you know, starting fresh and saying, let's just, you know, let's build a business from scratch based on this concept. Uh, definitely more so B2B companies that, you know, some of them may already have a, a B2B e-commerce site. Uh, some are somewhat sophisticated and some are like just getting started. Um, so usually I would say it's companies that are already in doing B2B and they either already have some level of e-commerce and they want to enhance it or improve it. Um, maybe they're, doing 5% revenue online and they want to get the 10% or 20% or they just want to make the experience better for customers. Um, and sometimes they also see it as a, as a marketing channel. Like if they build a better B2B site that's, um, you know, open to the public. So maybe it is login for pricing, but you can still, all the products are crawled by Google. So it's SEO optimized. It could be like a new kind of marketing channel for them to get new customers. Um, but yeah, for the most part, we're seeing B two B companies transitioning to e commerce, or they're already doing it, and they're just they need to ramp up because they need to to be more. 
So I think customers are demanding it. You know, they want a good experience. They, they, they want to be able to find out what they want online, you know. They want to be able to find, because, so. you know, back in the day, you used to go there, and I know um, small businesses will get a, uh, a catalog with all the different parts, and they kind of flip through it and yeah. find the exact part. And, <laughs> yeah, and it, it's so crazy to think about that today, but um, you, you could put that all that online. Those same companies, and I think a lot of them have, um, where you go through and at least just flip through a catalog, so you don't have to send out these, you know, massive parts catalogs every quarter, and... Um, you know, spend money on that, and then, that, like you said, take the order over the phone. Um, yeah. So that whole process kind of streamlines, streamlines that. Yeah, I think that the bringing up the catalog is the perfect um, example of what's happening here, is that, uh, you know, these companies usually be catalog-driven, so they'd send the catalog, you flip through the catalog and, and buy, and now it's just people want that same experience. They just want it to be online, and they want to know when it's going to get shipped and all of that. Um so I think that what B2B companies need to realize is that um, they need to think differently about the role of the salesperson and the role of e-commerce and how that's going to replace the catalog and just start to really evolve to this new digital, digital catalog format, basically. And I think a lot of companies haven't quite fully understood what that really means. So, what, so. what's a typical sales process? So when you say, you know, call for price, they have to get a login for pricing, um, that sort of thing. So... <laughs> Are they set, you know, first making contacts with different companies and then drive them to the site, or are they using the site as saying, "Here are our products, you know, contact us and we'll create a login for you"? How does that whole kind of yeah? Work? So I think part of the challenge with B two B is that the pricing is more complicated for most of these companies, and the the operations are more complicated with retail. You know, you build your Shopify or Magento or Big Commerce site or whatever it is, and you have your pricing, and people buy and check out. With 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 B two B a lot of these companies have personalized pricing. Um, so they don't want to display pricing because they don't want to either display pricing that's either too low for certain customers or too high for certain customers. So, it, you know, you need to log in to see your specific pricing or your customer group. So sometimes they break it up into customer groups and you fall into a group based on how much you're buying or whatever the company decides how they want to set up the customer groups and the discounts for those customer groups, um, or it could even be one-to-one pricing. So um, I think that's one of the bigger complexities that companies struggle to, to figure out and how to set that up with, with B2B e-commerce. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think part of it is that you don't want people to just see the pricing right away sometimes, and, and sometimes that's not the case. Um, so maybe they have like a retail pricing that they show, but then it'll say like, get B2B pricing. Um, the other aspect is you might offer, uh, credit, like you might offer like buy with purchase order or just check out with purchase order. So just like, you know, B2B you buy, but you don't, you pay later. Right. Yep. And so that's why that companies don't necessarily want guest checkout or just anyone to sign up. They need to verify this is like a real business and they're going to pay their bills. Because, you know, if anyone, any Joe Schmo is just going on and ordering $10,000 or something and they ship it out and it turns out he's not legitimate. <laughs> and they probably want yeah. that tax ID on file and actual, you know, a verified address exactly. at least. Uh, yeah, exactly. A few different things like that. So there's just a lot more operations behind B2B e-commerce. And I think that's, that's really the, the, the main reason that companies have struggled to, I think uh, most companies are starting to know at this point they need to do it. But I think they just don't know how to properly kind of budget and manage the complexity um, that that exists for B two B e commerce. So, hmm. what, what platforms do you see are better than others on this? I know I know you guys are big uh, Magento fans, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think 
the reason for that, and we saw Magento as being stronger in the B2B space, and that's part of why we, you know, stuck with it um, all these years, and they've definitely strengthened their B2B presence. So I think Magento is still probably um, the strongest in B2B in the sense that it has the most flexibility and a lot of -of out-of-the-box features, uh, as well as like a huge community of extensions and add-ons that you can um, bolt onto Magento. So I think from a pure scalability standpoint, Magento is still the strongest. Um, so by scalability, I mean like complexity of operations and com- you know total sales volume. It has the most potential to kind of grow that into the hundreds of millions of billions of dollars. Um, but obviously, you could still use it for smaller sites. Um, but I think there's some other players. Like I think we're seeing a lot more Shopify and, and big commerce for the smaller, simpler B2B e-commerce sites that maybe they want to test the waters or start somewhere and not spend quite as much money. Um, and those platforms are great for kind of just getting started. And they have some B2B light features, so I think they're great for kind of the simpler. You know, if you can get moving with kind of like maybe a percentage of the B2B customers that fall into certain more basic operations and you don't have everything going through the site, yep. those platforms I think could work really well for that. Yeah, uh, Magento right out of the box is very strong with uh, the TAD pricing and the grouping, right? I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it has really strong like abilities for large cat- complex catalogs. That's the other thing is you have, usually these companies have large amounts of SKUs, 10,000 plus SKUs um, with complex product types like their bundled products or grouped products or configurable products as you've probably seen um, where the products are associated with other SKUs. And so that's where Magento is strong. And I think big commerce is, is definitely putting a, a big effort to, to focus on B2B and they're strengthening their positioning around that. Um, and then there's a, there's a lot of other of these kind of more I guess fringe platforms out there um, do getting into the B two B space. Uh, there's a new one called Zoe. I don't know if you've heard of Zoe. Yeah, is that a no? Is that an offshoot of Magento or is that their own? So they um, they were a Magento agency like Trellis, but they built uh, built Zoe to be its own platform. I think they started leveraging the Magento open source platform to build Zoe, but now it's kind of. I think it's really changed a lot since then, so it's it's really its own platform at this point. Um, but they're focused pretty much entirely on B two B. Uh, but more like kind of as a software as a service, so kind of a simpler experience in terms of uh, like a big commerce or, or Shopify. But hmm. as opposed to big commerce or Shopify, they're entirely focused on B two B. Got so, it. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so platform-wise, um, yeah, I've seen Magento out of the box. The pricing rules and things like that—they're definitely very, very strong. Yeah. So. They also have cost. So you can out of the box, it has customer groups, and there's a lot of yeah. things you can do around customers. So okay, yeah. So what yeah. are the things you? Let's say someone's out there and they want to get started, and they're thinking, okay, this sounds you know different than B two C. What are some things they should kind of look for, and what are kind of the first steps to getting into something like this? Yeah, I mean, I think the first step that people always overlook is just building out your requirements and your what do you actually need it to do, and just think really write that down and, and make it very succinct, like. You know, we needed to be able to handle maybe 10 different customer groups that each have their own different pricing. It needs to have uh, login only for pricing. Like, really write down what are the requirements of this website? What does it actually need to do? How many SKUs do you have? How are you going to get the data into the website? Uh, and really get detailed with it. You know, our requirements docs, we go through what templates we're designing. Like, obviously, you have a home page, a product page, a category page. But every single template, we want to know what we're designing, what we're building on the front end, and then all the functionality that's going to go into the site. What payment gateway 
or gateways or payment options are they going to have? What ship, how they're going to use shipping? Are there going to be integrations? Are they going to use something like um, what you guys offer for automation um, with warehouse automation? You know, do they need to automate with a warehouse? What's what are the like really like that process is is is, is a lot of work, honestly, and that's why we usually charge for it. Um, but, yeah, that, whole, uh, but that whole planning takes more um, more than you would think. You know, you can you can kind of yeah. do the the light stuff and you know get there and get an idea. But when you actually start figuring out, okay, where you know, exactly like when the order comes in, what's the process look like? There's um, exactly yeah that whole start to finish of how the you know how the order will start and where it will actually be fulfilled. All those things, um, a lot of work goes into that planning process. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, absolutely. So yeah, I think that companies like and, you know. You're not going to maybe get it perfect on your first shot if you're getting started, but at least making the attempt and writing it down and talking to professionals like us, you know, you'll start to learn and you'll get more feedback and you'll be able to f- flesh out your requirements more and more over time. Hmm. Um, so, and then I think you know, evaluating the platforms. I think it's definitely important to be confident in the platform. You, you know, we see a lot of people jumping around from different platform to platform, and I think that's going to really hurt their business because yeah. platforming is such an expensive process. You really want to get it right. You don't want to be jumping around. You want to be on the same platform for at least, I would say, three to five years. Yeah, I feel like so, when you do that too, no matter how hard you try, there's going to be some SEO uh, loss on the other end. Um, you can try your redirects. And it's really tough to get that right. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. I actually started in the SEO world, and um, you know, we still do some technical SEO and as part of our offering. But yeah, you could do all the redirects perfectly. You could do everything what you think perfectly, but yeah, you're definitely going to take some hit when you relaunch the site and the URL structure change. So yep. uh, the more you can avoid it, the better. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> what do you see pe- people doing on the logistics and actually fulfillment side at that point? So once they get the order, are they going out to distributors or are they you know, warehousing yeah. themselves? And what's kind of what's the second half that's of the a, process look like? That's a great, great question. I think we see all over the map. Um, every company is different. They all have their own different operations. And I think there's two challenges there. One, I think some companies need to actually change their e-commerce, op- their operations to better fit the new digital e-commerce world. Um, and some companies just need to find the better solutions to accommodate what their operations are. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we see companies sometimes use third-party warehouses like Ingram Micro, um, there's some local ones in, in Boston or around Massachusetts actually. Um, but then a lot of these big comp- distributors, they have their own warehouses and I think that's kind of what allows them to be unique in their space. They have their own warehouses, they have their own inventory so they can get it out quickly to customers or they can get it out cheaper to customers. So and I think in the B2B space, we definitely see a lot have their own warehouses. So. Ingram micro, just so people that don't know, that might have never heard of that. Oh, explain what that is. Yeah. You're saying? It's a, it's like a warehouse, you know, it's a fulfillment center where, you, you know, they actually ship out your products for yeah. you. Um, yeah. D- and distributor, right? Yeah. So, well, I think they're just a fulfillment. I think they have a lot of services, to be honest. I, yeah. We, we just know them as a fulfillment center. <laughs> That's yeah. our relationship to them. <laughs> they're, uh, they're one, I think they're one of the largest, period, um, in North America. They're publicly traded. Um, so, I, I forget what their market cap is, but it's, they are a... Um, they are one of the large ones, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you probably know the warehouses way better and the fulfillment centers way better than I do. I mean, that's you guys do a lot of that, right? Yeah. You've been great with a lot of them. So um, so we definitely see companies that outsource that, but we also see companies that just that is their kind of value proposition as they have their own inventory in their own warehouse. So it's okay. kind of all over the map. <laughs> so some folks are actually going out to the individual. Let's say they're selling um, 
electronics. Instead of going to a yeah. distributor like an Ingram, they're going to an individual manufacturer buying a bunch of yeah. monitors, yeah. laptops, storing it, and then... Yeah, I would say, if anything, we're seeing more of that in the B2B space because a lot of these companies, that's how they've built up their value is that they have the relationships with these manufacturers. They can get the products to cheap cheaply and get it out to the end customers uh, or retailers or whoever they're selling it to cheaply. Um, and so they've built those relationships with the manufacturers. So, yeah, a lot of them are, are definitely getting it direct. And, you know, they might have 20, 30, 50 different manufacturers they buy from. Yeah, and like you said, that's where the value is. Because let's say you're starting a restaurant, for example. You might need yeah. to work with, you know, 20, 30, 40, 100 different manufacturers to get your stove, you know, your oven, yeah, your exactly. stove, your refrigerator, all these different units. Or you can work with one company, like you're talking about here, they can get all that for you, and you can put in exactly. one, one big purchase order. Everything comes in. You might have credit terms. You can pay for it over time. Um, yeah, and you can just do it once with one company, and not have to, uh, you know, make thirty different relations, relationships with thirty different individual uh, manufacturers. Exactly. Exactly. So you're going to go to one distributor, but I think you're seeing the trend where just going back to the catalog. You know, as a restaurant owner, you. You know, you need some new equipment. You don't want to have to go open up this catalog, flip through a hundred pages. You want to just go on the e-commerce site, search, or maybe you've already bought and you're just reordering, and you're literally logging in, one-click reorder, and your products are coming in X days, however fast they can get it there. Um, so it's all about kind of convenience, I think. So if you can offer convenience through e-commerce, B two B e-commerce, and then also good pricing. Uh, and then on top of it, good s- customer service if there are any issues and good kind of sales support and just kind of that relationship from a human standpoint. Like if you're doing all of that, I think that's, you know, you're going to really win win that battle. But I think a lot of companies are struggling in one of, some of those areas or they're not doing it well in some of those areas. So, Do you see a lot of people kind of doing, you know, uh, good old-fashioned one-on-one type sales um, where they're making the calls, getting a salesperson out there and talking to them? And then using that yeah. and bringing them to the e-commerce side? Or which kind of direction do you see this going? Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I think there's the opportunity is like people, I think that a lot of companies, they have, they're like, okay, well, if a lot of sales come through e-commerce, then the salespeople, they don't get commission for that. So I think you kind of have to build, and I wrote a post about this, a couple posts about this actually. Um, but I think you kind of have to figure out, and, and that's where I think B2B companies need to evolve is that if the salesperson's out there getting customers, building relationships and getting them to the website and they're spending a million dollars on the website, he's still responsible for yep. getting that customer onboarded onto the website and he should be rewarded for that. And you want him to be rewarded for that so he keeps doing it, right? And I think a lot of companies haven't figured out kind of the math behind how to compensate for that and yep. kind of make that all work. Um, so I think that's where I see the relationship of the salespeople is that, um, you know, we buy a lot of stuff through uh, online just because we're, you know, we're tech savvy. We don't want to go out and spend a bunch of time driving or to the store or anything we want to buy online and just get it there quickly. Um, but you know, if people were actually calling us and building a relationship with us, I think that would go a long way in terms of getting us things cheaper if they were able to, to do that or offer that. So I think that the salesperson will become more of a relationship builder and help solve the needs of the companies and be like a, a value add on top of the website. Um, and, and that's where and they'd be the one kind of drumming with the traffic and driving them to the website and not the, uh, you know, isn't, the website's not necessarily the end-all, be-all. Um, it would just work with the salespeople um, that would already be out there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think it's going to really be more of like a hand-in-hand tool with the salespeople. Yep. Um, but I think they're still going to definitely be more self-serve, you know, so it's definitely going to be a little more automated from a self-serve standpoint in terms of, you know, if you know what you want, you're just going to go on and buy it. 
Um, but yeah, the salespeople will be out there advocating for the website. Um, and I think that some companies, depending on how they want to handle it, the website will also be a sales tool and that some companies may have it be kind of more of an SEO driven tool where all their products are, um, indexed on, you know, it's like a very cost retail facing website. So that might bring in a lot of potential leads, but that may require a salesperson to follow up and, and actually onboard that customer. So, so you assume somebody, yeah. uh, you know, is at their restaurant, they're Googling on, you know, how to find, uh, na- you know, napkins. Um, exactly. Yeah. They're able to go on there and see, oh, they have a, you know, a large selection of napkins, call for pricing. Yep. They then get connected with the salesperson. They exactly. work out credit terms, payment terms, um, things yep. like that set them up with an account, and then that could be that salesperson's account, basically. They close that. Ex- yep. Yep. Exactly. Yep. And exactly. the nice part about that, for reorders, like you said, they don't need to go and phone up a salesperson, um, you know, and wait till 9 a.m. They can, you know, when they come in in the morning at the restaurant, 4 a.m., you know, yeah. we need some more, uh, you know, napkins, we need some more whatever right now. Let's put an order in for those and have them here by tomorrow morning. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. yep, exactly. Yeah, um, uh, this just reminded me, this is kind of a, one of a customer that's been with us for a while, and they, um, I think they've done a really good job of understanding uh, B2B e-commerce, and they sell, like, tra- trade show b- displays. What kind of? Uh, uh, trade show displays. Trade so, show like, display. let's say um, you guys, uh, you know, you're like, hey, you know, we want to get our name out there. It's time to do a, you know, go to Magento Imagine or whatever, Shopify, uh, Unite, mm-hmm. and, you know, yep. have our little trade show so you'd go on uh, the company it's uh, aceexhibits.com they're actually pretty well known in the space and you actually can go through the online process of like uploading your artwork and verifying it and there's like you know a whole kind of process online of getting your order through and then they'll actually fulfill the order and, and ship it out to you um, but you're, that's even a more complex order because there's like artwork involved and there's proofing that needs to fit with the, the yep. trade show display. And, but they've done a really good job of like, it's all online orders, but they have actually salespeople following through and got, you know, making sure that this, these people are actually buying and, and like being in tune with the customers. So they do have like salespeople associated with all their customers. Well, at that point, the um, metrics probably make sense too, right? They're not the standard, uh, e-commerce, you know, $99 order. It's, um, yeah. I'm assuming a trade show, you know, booth, uh, um, display is significantly higher than the average yeah. consumer the, facing they, price they, point. They, yeah, definitely. They have some good pricing, but yeah, you know, a lot of the orders are probably in the, you know, the low, th- you know, probably in the low thousands, I would say. Yep. Uh, um, so yeah, but they've done a really good job of actually making their operations and the, the sales commission tie with their e-commerce site. And I think that's where companies need to kind of figure that out. Hmm. That's a good example. What, yeah. are, what are some things you see people not doing right or that could, you know, could be done better? Um, <laughs> yeah, great, great question. I, I would like to go the other direction as well. It, uh, <laughs> it, it's helpful to yeah. see, you know, it's definitely the, po- the positive is helpful, but the negative is sometimes just as helpful. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think a lot of companies are underestimating how important the experience is, like building a good e-commerce experience that, you know, it's easy to kind of find what you want. It's, it's almost like a retail experience. Um, so I don't think companies, uh, B2B companies are investing enough into making the overall just experience easy for the customer and, and, and good for the customer. And there's a lot of these kind of like really bad designs out there in the yep. B2B space because it's less design focused and it doesn't have to necessarily be as flashy of a design. I just think it has to be extremely functional and easy to use. Um, so I think there's a lot of improvement that needs to be made there. 
Uh, and I think a lot of B2B companies are also not doing a good job with all the operations and automation. So they really need to be integrating with their ERP, making sure that the tracking codes go back up to the customer immediately when they get shipped out so that... <laughs> like, yeah. I, that. I know that so, part very well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure, I'm sure you do. But I think the, like, that, like what you brought up with that whole process of getting the order to the end customer yep. from the beginning to the end... I think companies aren't doing a good job of that entire process. Maybe there's certain parts that they're doing well, but I think getting that all right and then having some human element to it yep. between all that, I just think they're falling short. And, and, um, and it's, it's hard to pinpoint exactly one because it all, it's different with every company we see, but they're usually falling short in some of those areas um, I've seen, making that experience good. I've seen when people do this sometimes, they don't expose the, uh, the whole catalog um, publicly. They kind of put it behind yep. like a like a login wall, a login yeah. page type of thing. Even, yeah. you know, not even just pricing we're talking about, just products in general. You cannot see them until you um, create some sort of login yeah. and get some sort of account. Is there a reason for yeah. that? Or people, is that, a, is that something people are doing deliberately or do they not have the ability to do that for some other reason? Because um, I've seen that many times and it's always odd yeah, to me. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think that they're, they are doing it deliberately and uh, it could be just the way that they, they don't want to maybe expose to the world everything that they're selling and they want to kind of keep it kind of privy to them as to what they actually offer so their competitors can't see it. It could also be deals with the manufacturers that only like designated customers can see the product. Um, so... To be honest, I, I don't necessarily have the best answer for that, but I think uh, I think it is definitely on purpose. There are a lot of companies that are hiding their catalogs, so they're making their catalogs, they're exposing their catalogs based on the customer too. That's another thing that we're seeing that they want to tailor the co the catalog to the customer. The actual so products the themselves, or yeah. So hmm. say a customer they know that only cares about ten percent of their products, they don't want to show them the rest of the ninety percent and confuse them with those ninety oh, percent. Okay. So yep. They want to tailor the experience. So personalization is. I think that's another big factor. So I guess actually that's probably the, the biggest factor here that you, going back to the question of what are they not doing well, personalization is honestly a, a hard problem to solve because it could be personalized pricing, could be personalized products. There's a lot that goes into it in the B2B space. Yeah, and all the way down to the whole catalog then you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And I think B2B companies are really struggling to get that right because it's yeah. so complicated to do. Yeah, yeah. it's something that um, and not a lot of platforms do it well. And even if the platform does it, it's still to set it up requires a you know, some pretty sophisticated uh, rules and yeah. categories and groups. Yeah. And it's not something out of the box. You just, you know, install any platform and it just works. You need to really go in there yeah. and know what you're doing to get that right. Exactly. And I think to that point, I, you know, I want to touch on another thing that I think companies aren't doing well is that I think they're underestimating the level of skill that they need to employ themselves. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, we'll just hire an agency to do this. Yep. Yeah, you can hire an agency like Trellis to build your B2B commerce site, but like, we do way better. Uh, our end solution is always better when the customer has like a e-commerce uh, evangelist, you know, you know, someone, a vocal, you know, yep. e-commerce advocate on their side. Sorry, I'm trying to find the right <laughs> word. But like either, or like someone, you know, technical on the operation side that just understands, you know, whether it's web development or the platform to some degree or understands their ERP very well. So I think that's where B2B companies are falling short is that they, they need to employ some people that actually know what they're doing here, and then those people can better manage an agency like Trellis, and they can work symbiotically much more, um, you know, stronger together. Um, whereas if we're working with someone that doesn't know what they're doing, you know, we're going to have to charge more because there's a lot more hand-holding. The end product's just not going to be as good, and it's just going to be a much, 
you know, I think companies need to take more ownership over this, you know, instead of just saying, oh, we'll just outsource it. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, too, you're going to provide them with a, you know, a product, a neat little package with a bow on it type of thing, but they need to take that and then run with it. So somebody there yeah. needs to be able to actually take that product and day to day operate it, um, know the ins and outs, know how when they want to add new products, add new customer groups, new categories. Someone there needs to actually, you know, take take it from you at some point and run with it and kind yeah. of know what to do um, every step it, of the way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that they there's a lot that uh, uh, goes into it that people kind of under and they think they can kind of outsource, but really they need to like, they really should, uh, you know, I think more and more companies should really hire an e-commerce manager. Yeah. Uh, that's something you see. You, yeah. You see that, that that term wasn't around even a few years ago and now it's something that's actually more, um, yeah. you know, it's happening more often because they could go, like you said, they could go to an agency, <laughs> but they need something next to happen. So once the agency says, you know, we're done, thank you. Um, the e-commerce manager is the person, right? Who kind of takes and runs with it. Yeah. And then they also, yeah, and then also, same thing, right? They can probably work with you guys and tell you, "Hey, you know, we're looking for this. This is how we interact with customers. This is how our pricing works, our catalog, and kind of help guide you and build the, you know, actually make it fit their business." Yeah, absolutely. And I think they can they can help by making sure the initial project goes well. If it, say they're building a new site, but also I think a lot of companies underestimate how important it is to do the ongoing improvements. Just like. You know, you guys are probably constantly updating your software and improving the software. You should be updating, you know, your B2B e-commerce site. So maybe you start with 20, you know, the base features that you need to start onboarding, you know, X percent of customers. And then you slowly add the additional features that maybe bring on some of the more complex operational features that certain customers need. Um, And you could do that on kind of like a monthly or quarterly basis. And that e-commerce manager can help manage that process and grow the the business that way. Yeah, it's different than, um, you know, a lot of folks think it's, you know, hiring a contractor for, you know, building e-com- a piece of e-commerce uh, software is similar to, like, hiring a contractor to build your kitchen. You yeah. Know, the kitchen thing, they come, they build it, and then when they're done, you kind of go back in, start making dinner, and enjoy it for the next 30 years. But when it comes to yeah. building something, yeah. you know, like an e-commerce platform, there's a version one, but then very, as soon as you're done with that, you're going to start thinking about, okay, what do we do next and how do we kind of improve this? And after you're done with that release, what do we do next and how do we improve this? And it's never going to be a, um, you know, hey, we're done and, you know, you ring the bell and it's over. Um, it's going to be a, a thing that grows along with the business the whole time. And that's something yeah. I think a lot of people underestimate. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I think it's like you really have to think about it like Amazon is pushing the status quo. So Amazon, I think, is in there. Yeah. They're in B2B now. So uh, I don't know if you had seen this, but they used to have their own B2B site, and yep. now they actually consolidated. So we have a business Amazon account. Yep, same thing. Uh, and so they're in the space. So the way I, I see it is they're, you know, they're going to be pushing the status quo, and if you're not, and they're going to be adding, they're adding features all the time. I mean, you probably don't even realize, you know, they're so good at it, you don't even realize some of the features they're adding. Um, and so that's the speed at which you kind of need to move, you know? Like that's, they're pushing that, speed forward really fast so if you're not moving at that speed you know or trying to catch up in some way like yeah you know and you, you can't can, you can't just forget it for a year you know you can't just sit, let it go for a year or two years you well, know? no matter which industry you're in because i some some of these b2b industries are much further behind than kind of the average but either way you don't want to yeah. be you know in your yeah. industry you don't want to be you know <laughs> the guy falling behind you want to at least be one of the guys pushing it one of the guys are uh ladies pushing it forward um, and kind of 
helping to increase the status quo, like you're saying, and not be the, the yeah. laggard that's uh, falling behind each month and each year. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And I think we're definitely getting to a point where, you know, I think probably in the next few years that it's like, you're going to really like, I think a lot of B2B companies have gotten away with not having much, putting much effort into this or not getting it right. And kind of just, they've, you know, they have a lot of relationships and they have a lot of customers and they're able to succeed that way. I think you're going to see in a few years that like, that's not enough. You actually have to really have a good e-commerce experience or you're going to see, you're going to see the, the, the numbers really like hit you yeah. <laughs> as sales go to e-commerce. So, yeah. Okay. I think that's, uh, those are some good parting words right there. Definitely uh, <laughs> invest in your platform. Um, I like that. So, yeah, I think this was helpful. Um, you mentioned some blog articles. Definitely, um, if you could send those to me, I'd like to add them all in the show notes. Um, and also, where can people find you? And if they want to learn more about you, learn more about Trellis. Um, yeah, just our, our website is trellis.co. Uh, it's not .com, it's .co. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's trellis.co, and our blog is just trellis.co slash blog. Um, so... I uh, should be able to find it easily on our website. Uh, I'll send you those articles. Yeah, there's a kind of a, a long rambling one about having how companies need to kind of align their salespeople with the e-commerce site, and uh, <laughs> it, it, it probably needs a, a version two or maybe a cleaned up version. But I just wanted to get it out there because it was on my mind. So that's kind of how I get those blog posts out there. Yeah, so. you, you, your blog. <laughs> for people who haven't read your blog's actually great. It, um, you guys publish a lot of articles in a very. Uh, very good each week, so it's definitely uh, something people should check out, and I'll, I'll add a link to that. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, it was good talking to you. Yeah. You thank too. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.